0: Thank you for joining me for this Advent teaching from Pennington AG Church. We are in our third week of our Advent series, looking at the character of Jesus, gentle and lowly. Jesus who enters our world as an infant child, born in a manger, who then comes into our world to be gentle and lowly and embrace and receive back his children, you and I, who have wandered away from him in our own sin, and brokenness. We're in our third week looking at the character of Jesus, and I want to remind us of our main passage we started this series out on, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. This is the character of our God that we meet most clearly in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, Jesus Christ, character, gentle, and lowly. Last week, we talked about how that character interacts with our broken character, and we saw the compassion of Jesus who is drawn to our sin and suffering. Today we're going to talk about how that compassion goes to work as Jesus is our sympathetic advocate. An advocate before the Father who can sympathize with what it means to be human, with what it means to be weak and have flesh and be tempted, but in his perfect righteousness is offering forgiveness and grace for us. In today's message, we're going to go all over the place. We're going to talk about some deep theological terms, eminence and transcendence. We're going to talk about crazy Christmas stories like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Isle of Misfit Toys. And I'm going to begin by sharing my own Christmas story of watching the Christmas story on TV every year. It's a marathon on TNT in USA throughout the Christmas season. You can watch the 1980s story of a young boy who wants a BB gun for Christmas and what that journey looks like as it's cold outside and his friend gets his tongue stuck to a pole. In his rage, he beats up a bully. He asks Santa for it and he gets kicked down a slide. But all throughout, this young boy wants a BB gun. It's what he wants, it's his desire. Everybody throughout the film says, no kid, you'll shoot your eye out. I can sympathize and empathize with this story because that was my journey as a kid. I was a pretty safe kid, but also a young boy. And so I wanted a BB gun, but there was also this fear of what I would do with it. I didn't live out in a rural area. I grew up in Ewing and our homes are pretty close to each other. So what would I even do with it? But I wanted one. I was a kid, I was a boy, and I wanted this toy. My mom repeatedly told me, No, not a good idea. Not a safe thing in this neighborhood. You're not going to get one. But Christmas after Christmas, I asked for one. One Christmas, when I was around fifth grade, around nine or 10, I opened up every present at Christmas. Bowling ball, video game, sweater, sweater, sweater. And all throughout, I was hoping for a long, box wrapped up, you know, something that looked like it might be some sort of a gun, long rifle shaped, kind of wrapped up. Nothing looked like that. So I opened them up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the back of my mind, I was like, I'm not going to get it. I was disappointed, but trying to, you know, be appreciative. Everything was done. And my father said, you happy with everything that you got this year? And I said, yeah, I am. Thank you guys so much. It's great. And then my dad with a little twinkle in his eye said, I think there's one more gift behind the couch. Ran, jumped behind the couch, long rectangular box wrapped together, tore it off, pulled out my own BB gun. And I only ever got to use it in the basement. I'm 36 years old. It still is in my parents' house under their bed because of a fear of me shooting my eye out. But I could only use it with my dad in the basement in this whole safe setup that we had with goggles, all of this stuff in between. But I remember in that moment, this little mischievous glint in my father's eye of knowing he was my sympathetic advocate in this. He was the one behind the scenes, you know, talking to my mom, be like, I'll be with him all the way throughout. I had one as a kid, it'll be fine. We all in our lives need someone to advocate for us. And all the better when that person can sympathize with what our life is like. They can stand with us and advocate for our benefit. As we talk about Jesus this Advent season, as we look at him coming in a manger and living a human life, we also recognize that he is God and he is righteous and he transcends sin and death through the cross and the resurrection. And we have a sympathetic advocate, one who can sympathize with what it means to be human, but also can advocate for us. The author of Hebrews, a mysterious letter in the New Testament. We don't really know the author of it, but we know they were a pastor, and all throughout the letter they are talking about the doctrine of Jesus and why this is so much better than any other view of religion or how to see God, how important Jesus is. And while we're studying the character of Jesus in this series, we want to see what this author has to say. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16. So then, Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Technical term for Hebrews is, is it a letter about the fidelity of the doctrine of Jesus, the commitment to the understanding that Jesus is God and that in Jesus we find a sympathetic advocate. As we look at these three verses, they represent the entirety of the letter and what the author is trying to teach us. About the fidelity of doctrine, how it is important to be faithful to what we believe about God, most firmly in Jesus. And for us as Christians, how do we examine our life, our beliefs, to see if they faithfully are anchored in a view of God shaped by the character of Jesus? Does my life look like someone who believes God is gentle and lowly? Does my mind and where I think and my fears, anxieties, and dreams are they shaped by or comforted by my understanding of God as gentle and lowly? Verse 14 says, Let us hold firmly to. This means verse 14 is dependent on what comes next. Verse 15, Let us hold firmly to what we believe. What do we believe? Verse 15 says, We believe that Jesus is our high priest, that he understands our weakness, and that he also has the power to overcome that weakness. Verse 16 begins with, so let us, which means verse 16 is anchored by verse 15. Verse 14 is about what we believe, our doctrine, our theology of God. And they're saying our doctrine is verse 15. Verse 16 is about our activity. What do we do because of this doctrine and this theology? Both point back to verse 15. Both 14 and 16 are rooted in the doctrine or the theology, the belief of Jesus Christ that we learn is both imminent and transcendent. Eminent is the theological idea that God is present, that God is with us here in the room, actively working in humans' lives. In verse 16, it says, This high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all of the same testings we do. Jesus lived as a human. His body was weak. His emotions were raw and vulnerable. He had to learn to walk and talk as an infant. He went through puberty, probably had acne. He was abandoned by his friends. He was hungry and thirsty and tired and sad and filled with joy and eating meals. Because Jesus is human, Advent reveals to us that God is present. He's eminent. He is with us and understands us. This verse also, though, teaches that Jesus is transcendent. He understands our life, but he was able to achieve what we cannot. He was more righteous than us. He was God in flesh. While he understands our weakness, he is able to overcome it. He's able to rise above human sin and frailty and defeat the forces of sin and death. Verse 16 again says, He faces all of the same testings that we do, and yet he did not sin. He faced all of my temptations, but he didn't fail. He faces all of our weaknesses, but he shows himself strong. Jesus lives all of it, but doesn't succumb to any of it. He may be hungry, but it didn't lead him to selfish indulgence. He may have been abandoned, but he didn't become bitter. Jesus rises above sin and weakness. Because Jesus is God, Advent means that God came to rescue us by his transcendent power. Jesus is imminent, Jesus is transcendent. This is what makes him our sympathetic advocate. Let's look at both of these theological terms to understand the gentle and lowly character of Jesus. First, let's talk about God is present or eminent. God's with us and understands us. In Advent, we are able to explore our desire for a God who is close to us, who is with us, who is like us. Aristotle, Greek philosopher, famously defined God as the unmoved mover, that God animated our world, breathed it into existence, but he's not moved by our struggles and trials. He's too powerful, too high above us to be trifled by human sufferings and struggles. And so he put the world into motion, but, He's disconnected from our struggles and trials. While the Old Testament does make argument after argument that God cares about the suffering of his people and is moved by our lives, whether it's Exodus and God speaking to Moses that he cares and is gonna intervene, or whether it's the whole book of Job and God responding at the end to Job's suffering, there is still no greater picture in all of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, than Jesus Christ stepping into our existence, putting on flesh and being physically present and able to be touched and heard and understood? There is perhaps no better image of an imminent, present God than the infant Jesus being held to the breast of his mother. God is with us and present. Paul in Acts, argues with Greek philosophy, he argues with the Greeks that God is present and real and in all things calling to us, seeking us, searching us out. He argues in Acts chapter 17, he says, God's purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us, for in him we live And move and exist. At Advent, God is not far from you. Where you are in your life right now, your struggles and trials, your dreams and hopes, God is present near you, with you, calling out to you, patiently waiting for you. The author of Hebrews, we've read once already, earlier in the letter, says to us in Hebrews chapter 2. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us, when we are being tested. The author of Hebrews is almost paraphrasing Jesus' own words in Luke chapter five, verse 31, when he says he didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. Jesus didn't come to advocate for angels who are in heaven and singing God's presence without suffering and and sin and brokenness. He came for those of Abraham, for humans, for you and I. Jesus came to be present with us and to walk the journey of life together. Jesus chooses to be with us in our weakness. Jesus chooses to engage with our brokenness and to remind us that we are not alone. As Dane Ortland, the author of Gentle and Lowly that has inspired this series, says, Jesus came as a normal man to normal men. He knows what it is to be thirsty, hungry, despised, rejected, scorned, shamed, embarrassed, abandoned, misunderstood, falsely accused, suffocated, tortured, and killed. He knows what it is to be lonely. His friends abandoned him when he needed them most. If he had lived today, every last Twitter follower and Facebook friend would have unfriended him when he turned 33. He who will never unfriend us. This is Jesus, the one who will never abandon you, the one who will walk beside you and understands your struggles living as a human in this world. As you're trying to check off every gift on your list and you're scouring Amazon and maybe you have to run to a physical store and you're stressed out trying to be enough for every person in your life, as you're even in this season trying to center your heart and your soul in quietness and in gratitude, In this season, as you're still processing loss and grief and a global pandemic and what does this mean and how do we interact together, in all of that, Jesus is present and understands what it's like to be you and wants to walk this journey together. This is the imminence or the presence of God in Christ Jesus. But, as the author of Hebrews says, It is not just that he has experienced our weakness, but that in the temptation, he did not sin. Where we have failed, Jesus succeeds. Where we are weak, Jesus shows himself strong. This is God as transcendent, or God as able, capable, able to heal and work. While Jesus can relate to us, living on the earth in our mud and muck, it never stuck to him. He was able to transcend it. It reminds me of Rudolph on the Isle of Misfit Toys. I was shocked looking back that this story, a claymation version of this Christmas story, is only from 2001. It's only 20 years old. It feels like it's from the 40s. Let me explain the plot of this movie if you are unfamiliar. In this story, Rudolph... Feels like he needs to be more than just a one-trick pony. His nose glows, and he's tired of being exploited for that one aspect of who he is. So he goes on a journey with an elf that doesn't want to make toys. He wants to repair teeth, and a tree cutter, Yukon Cornelius, who is also kind of a scaredy-cat. The three of them go on a journey and discover the Isle of Misfit toys. On this island, they are able to perform a root canal, as well as help out a bunch of toys that feel abandoned, broken, like they don't fit into this world. There's also throughout it a problem where another old toy comes to tell them you are abandoned and you're never gonna be needed again, you're never gonna be wanted again, so come with me and we're gonna embrace our brokenness and we're gonna leave this world, we're gonna leave these relationships behind. Often in this season, we can feel like these misfit toys. Some churches practice what's known as a blue Christmas, one day in the Advent season when we embrace our sadness, our struggle. Maybe we're coming into Christmas and there are family members that aren't with us because they have died in this last year. Maybe we're coming into Christmas and some of the goals we set out last January, we are even further from now during this season. And in this, we feel like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not feeling the joy I'm supposed to in these moments? When a relationship goes sour, when a family member betrays us, when it feels like our one shot at significance is slipping through our fingers, when we feel deeply misunderstood and broken, it is easy to slip into a mentality that we are alone and we are broken forever. And we just sit in it and we wallow in it. It's in these moments that we put our relationships on blast. I'm done with it. I'm posting it. I'm out of this. Or we begin to ghost significant people in our lives. We just don't respond anymore. Or we indulge in self-destructive behaviors. I embrace the island of misfit toys. I embrace my brokenness and my seeming abandonment. It can feel like the brokenness of this world, maybe not our own individual sin, but the sin of being human of the world around us is so heavy that it's oppressive. In these moments, Jesus sits in the sorrow and oppressive sin with us. And in our sadness, he shares with us that he died under oppressive Roman rule, the largest government of the time, convicted, condemned, put on a Roman cross, the most shameful way to die, abandoned by nearly all of his followers. He sits in that with us. But also, as he sits there with us, he's glowing. He's shining. He is Jesus Christ, transcendent of all the broken muck of this world. And while he is with us, he is able to point to himself and say, I am here with you, but through me, you can find a way out of this. Through me, you can receive healing. Through me, you can receive hope and salvation. He is present with our brokenness and he is able to transcend it in a way we cannot because he is without sin. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25, the author continues to speak about Jesus, says, therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. C.S. Lewis, theologian from the 20th century, shares a story about this or a metaphor for this, that for all of us, living a life of sin and brokenness is like trying to walk off of the island of misfit toys and there's a strong storm blowing at us. And we can walk and we can push for a little while, but eventually we get tired of fighting the wind, tired of fighting the current, and eventually we slow down, we stop, And because of the force of that wind, we lay down, and we let the wind blow over us. We let the snow cover us over. Or maybe we fight that storm, and we keep fighting, and we keep fighting, and the storm takes its toll on us, and there's frostbite, and we're losing limbs, and we're falling apart. Jesus speaks to this in Mark chapter 9, verse 47. He says, you can fight the wind your whole life, but you're gonna end up broken and destroyed. Either way, we're in the same place we were. But then Jesus walks into the storm and the wind doesn't seem to affect him, doesn't seem to blow him over. He's able to continue to walk and he looks at us where we are and he says, follow me, I will break the wind for you. Follow me and you can draft off of my presence and my goodness. Follow me and I will show you a way out of the storm. And it will not be through your ability to fight the wind. It will be through your ability to follow me as I fight the storm, as I fight the sin and brokenness, as I fight the fallen nature of this world, as I do what you cannot, as I transcend the brokenness of this world. Jesus is present in our storms, but he's also transcendently God, which makes him the perfect one to come boldly into his presence and receive mercy and grace. We can, in this Advent season, run into the presence of Jesus. And as we seek his presence, as we seek his glory in our lives, we can know that praying before our God, studying him in the pages of scripture, living out the pattern he gives us through loving our neighbors and each other, We can be embraced by one who understands our life and our suffering, but also the one who gives us a way out by his gracious presence, mercy, and power. As we close, it reminds me of a final story that I read many years ago in a book by Philip Yancey, where he shares about a farmer in the middle of winter looking out at his barn from his own kitchen And he repeatedly sees a small flock of sparrows trying to get into the barn. It's freezing out. It's stormy. It's cold. They feel like they might die and in the barn is salvation. It's warm. It's comfortable and they're sheltered from the storm. But they can't get in because the door's too heavy for them. They can't get in because they don't know how to open it. And so out of compassion, He leaves his home, he trudges his way through the snow to open up the door for them, but as he arrives, the birds are scared by his presence and they fly off. He leaves the door open, they never come, they're too scared of him. So, he closes the door, goes back into his home. From the window, he sees the birds return again, trying to get in. And he thinks to himself, oh, if I could just become a bird for one moment and come out there and fly among them and show them the way in to safety and salvation. He said in that moment, he realized God putting on flesh as Christ Jesus in order to walk among us and show us the pathway to salvation through his grace and mercy. This Advent season, we have a sympathetic advocate, a God who is eminently present with us And is transcendently powerful to lead us out of the storm of our sin and brokenness and he does it through his love grace and mercy if you'll pray with me this morning you may be watching this sermon today and you may not have a relationship with god you may not know jesus personally i want to give you an opportunity to invite him into your life today to invite him into a relationship with you i promise you like that sparrow he is present and waiting to show you through his power, salvation and eternal life. If you are a follower of Jesus, I ask you to commit in this Christmas season to be following him and leaning into his presence. May we come boldly into the presence of the one who understands us and saves us. Pray with me. Jesus, in this moment, we move towards your loving presence and character May we receive you as one who understands us, who knows what it is like to be tempted, but also one who has overcome our temptation and sin through your righteousness. We come before the God who is both man and God, who is both knowable and transcendent. Jesus, I believe that you came and you put on flesh, you lived on this earth, Then you took on our sin and shame on the cross and you died in our place. You were buried in the ground for three days. and You rose again, triumphant, full of glory, resurrected, that we may one day be resurrected into eternity with you and can be resurrected in this life to live by your power and grace. You gave your life for me. Today I commit my life to follow you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining me for this Advent teaching from Pennington AG Church.